Hello again, this is Full Time with Meg Linehan. That's me. Uh, the NWSL Challenge Cup is a wrap, and the Houston Dash are your champions of the summer tournament. Today, I'm joined by three players from Houston on the pod. That makes that a new record for our segments. But Rachel Daly, Christy Mewis, and Shay Groom have survived the bubble, they've survived the Challenge Cup, and they have survived the celebrations. Then, co-executive director of the NWSL Players Association, Brooke Elby, is on to discuss the success of the tournament as a whole. We're recording this episode on Tuesday, July 28th, so let's get into the news this week. There's some more good numbers on the Challenge Cup front. The ratings from the final are in, and there's another bump up from the opener back in June. The game between the Dash and the Chicago Red Stars averaged 653,000 viewers on CBS, which is a 14% rise from the 572,000 viewers for the opener, and now stands as the new record for NWSL viewership. The Challenge Cup also concluded without a single positive COVID-19 test for a player. Before the final, the league honored all of the people behind the scenes who helped ensure that result, from their medical task force to the cleaning crews in Utah. Finally, we still don't exactly know what's next for the NWSL in 2020, but in an email to the players sent by Commissioner Lisa Baird, she gave the players a date to return to their home markets and also said that any post-Challenge Cup season would conclude by October 17th. You can read more about that story at The Athletic. That's one that I reported out with my coworker Pablo Marr. So let's actually start uh, with this segment with the Houston Dash. We've talked a lot about celebrations. Um, Rachel Daly is drinking kombucha the entire time to rehydrate. So we'll get into the best of the win at the Challenge Cup with these three players from the Dash. All right. So I think before we actually get into this, I I would like, since this is going to be audio only, so if everyone can just kind of introduce themselves. Rachel, I think you're going to be the easiest voice to pick out (laughs) on the audio version of this. But so if we could go Rachel, Shay, Christy, just saying your name and maybe the position that you play for the Houston Dash. So that way, as people listen, they can hopefully uh, identify your voices. I think that would be probably pretty helpful for folks. So Rachel. Oh, what do I say? What, what do I say? <laughs> so just say, hi, I'm Rachel Daly. I play exposition for the Houston Dash. Right. I'm Rachel Daly and I play forward for the Houston Dash. Okay. Shay. I'm Shay Groom and I play midfield for the Houston Dash. And Christy. I'm Christy Mewis and I play midfield for the Houston Dash. All right. So now that now that we've got your voices set, I do want to start with the celebrations. Uh, I want to I'm very curious. Do you have a sense of just how many bottles of beer got consumed over the past few days? Is there any sense? This is a question for any and all of you. (laughs) I've got no idea. (laughs) Many Christie's hands. (laughs) Yeah, we consumed we consumed a lot. It was it was actually really impressive. Um but yeah, we we had a, a good time with it. It was so fun. I I before the actual final, you know, they posted that first image of the trophy and I just remember looking at that and thinking there's a chance that that ends up on the ground at some point. It's made of glass. I'm a little concerned about it. It did seem to make it through fine. Everybody was being very supportive in terms <laughs> of setting everyone else up for drinking. Shay, I know you know you you dunked the Aggie ring. Like what 
Was there a general consensus of we have to make sure that this thing makes it out alive at the end of this locker room celebration? I mean, it's honestly pretty heavy, too. So it's impressive that we didn't drop it. And like... I nearly dropped it trying to get it off Lisa. <laughs> Uh, but yeah I don't know how it made it through because it was in the air a lot and I don't think it got put down from the second we got it till we got home so yeah I mean Christy you you came off the airplane and you had that that you were just like ready to go so (laughs) is it giving you an arm workout as you're coming off the plane it's full of beer too right yeah it, it it's honestly it was like oddly heavy it's like a very very heavy thing and it's awkward so it is really impressive that nothing actually happened to it um but yeah we were like dumping beers and it dumping uh champagne in there i mean i don't even know i don't even think it got washed like it was it it's it, it was it was pretty funny we all had a good time with it yeah, I think probably so my 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 editor Brooks actually wrote an entire story Christy about your ability to celebrate over <laughs> the past, you know, like day and a half or so. But I think probably my favorite video that came out of these celebrations was uh Rachel, you had I think I believe a can of Shinerbach. Uh and Christy is sitting across from you on the charter flight just going, "Don't be a wimp. Don't be a wimp. Don't be a wimp." So First of all, any memory of that? Second of all, is there one particular drink for the three of you that was maybe your favorite <laughs> in that celebration over, you know, like from the locker room to the hotel to the to the plane? I mean, I think we had to enjoy Bud the most since it was what we were consuming the most of. Um, but I think all the drinks started to taste the same after a while. <laughs> uh, it was shine, actually. I don't even remember tasting that beer, but uh, it was a fun time. Shotgun on the plane isn't fun. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Shay, any anything stand out to you in terms of those celebrations? Um, you know, the the locker room, it was funny that they said that we were only supposed to have it for twenty minutes and we had it for two and a half hours. <laughs> they expected us to like have fun. I don't know what they thought, but um if you can even believe it, I think the flight home beat it by a million. We were just chanting the whole time and toasting champagne and it was it was something I'll never forget. Christy, any, anything stand out in particular no, was, for you? <laughs> yeah, I actually agree with Shay. I thought it was like the plane ride back was awesome. We were all we were all just like so hungover and so tired. And we all took maybe like a 10-minute nap. And then once we got up in the air, they brought around the champagne toast. And we were just like just telling stories and like laughing and chanting. Like I didn't want the plane ride to end, to be honest. It was just so much fun for all of us. All right. So that all sounds amazing. Um, It is kind of unfortunate that this did not happen in a usual year where, you know, maybe people could actually (laughs) document that a little bit better. Hopefully, I'm I'm assuming that Houston's video person has a lot of footage that will probably never see the light of day. Um, (laughs) But I do want to talk about also the tournament in general. Uh, first of all, let's maybe start with just the experience of living in the bubble, being in the hotel Did you guys enjoy that? I feel like there's both, you know, everything is kind of taken care uh, for you, but also, you know, like food, meals, all that kind of stuff. But also, you know, you're seeing a lot of each other. And I'm just kind of curious what that experience was like for you as a team. Rachel, obviously, as as captain, um, leader of one of the leaders of this team. Was there anything in particular that stood out to you? Um, Yeah, I mean, I think some people really struggled with it. I think it's a difficult place to be and if things aren't going right for you 
the way you want them to be, then it might not be the place, the best place to be. But um, yeah, I think I broke my bank account on Uber Eats throughout the whole thing. Um, but for me, I, I enjoyed it. I actually enjoyed it. I got to spend a lot of time on my own and, you know, I actually enjoyed my teammates company and, and just like, you know, it's one of those things that you, you hope that you never have to go through it again. But for me, I enjoyed it and just tried to relish every moment I could there. Cause again, we wanted to be there the longest. So I planned for being there for four weeks, but I enjoyed it, but I do, I do see why people struggled a lot there. Shay, are you in agreement that, that it was an enjoyable experience overall? Yeah, I think our team especially made the best of the situation. And we started to understand when people just need to be left alone. I think James came with us uh, at us with a speech and was like, you just got to know that some people just need to be ignored. <laughs> for this last part. Um, so I think we had a good balance of that and, you know, just made as much fun of it as we could. And, um, obviously attributed to our winning, I think. Yeah. Christy, were there any, I feel like you, you were one of the teams that really made use of the ping pong table, right? Were there any other activities? <laughs> Rachel, you're, you're raising your hand. Would you like to speak? <laughs> no, I wouldn't. I'm just saying don't ask Christy about games because she's not a gamer, but me and Shay definitely are the gamers. Okay. Yeah, well, what the were gamers. the activities of choice beyond ping pong, maybe? Mario Kart and juggling and this was probably reality tv yeah <laughs> bed okay. and reality tv for me got it got <laughs> it all right so beyond just this result and and rachel this is something that you've talked a lot about in post game and and all of these interviews that you've been doing but you know this has been a long project um in terms of getting the dash to this championship win shay coming in via trade christy i mean i i definitely remember covering you in boston for you know an extended period of time like there's a lot of different paths to this version of the houston dash and i'm wondering if if all of you could maybe speak a little bit to your experience um in your I guess, history with this team and, and what this particular championship means to you just personally in terms of your own career. So Christy, we'll, we'll start with you on that front. Yeah, um, I think being here in Houston kind of like triggered something in my career that I think I needed. Um, I think I've, I've said this before in an interview too, where I just kind of felt like I was at a standstill, like I wasn't doing good and I wasn't doing bad in the league. And I think that something just triggered inside of me when I came to Houston um, to just like be better and to just kind of like take this, take the opportunity um, and just run with it. And I think that, you know, Rach has been here since the very beginning. Shay's new, but I think that just the Houston dash culture has changed so much um, in these past couple of years, especially with James being the head coach, like this year, there's just such a sense of togetherness. Um, so I think it's, it, it kind of came to a perfect ending with this one and it, it's just so special to be able to share it with, you know, with new people and then with obviously people like Rach who've been around forever. It's just, it's super exciting and special. Shay, as, as the relative new kid on the block, you want to weigh in on this? Yeah, for sure. I think a player that's just been on a few teams, I thought I was going to live and die in Kansas city. And then obviously it's been such a journey since then. And like Christy said, I felt like when I got to Houston, it kind of just triggered a new, a new chapter in the career. And I think for a lot of us, if you even look at Katie Naughton, Megan Oyster, it's like we all turned the page together and um, started a new chapter for this team. But I think also for us as individuals as well. And, and if uh, Katie Naughton calls it the band of misfits and, and it just kind of works. I felt like uh, 
like Chrissy said too, James has done an incredible job with the culture and got us all to buy in no matter what. I mean, we went through some just crap <laughs> uh, in these last four months and had to deal with it. Um, and we did it together and um, the circle never broke. So um, it's, it's been such a joy to be a part of the club. And I feel like I've been here a lot longer than I have um, obviously being able to bring home a championship with, with these girls. So um, it was incredible and obviously my favorite chapter so far. Rachel, I, I definitely want to talk to you about this. I also do want to know where this whole inspirational speech part of you comes from. <laughs> I feel like those have really taken on a life of their own. But I mean, I thought Dash really rolling with that as like the social media thing works super well. But just first of all, like when you get into that headspace of inspirational speech making as a, as a team captain, where's that coming from? But then also, you know, you tweeted five years after championship so I do want to know uh, about your journey with the dash in particular yeah um, for me obviously it's special because I said it's five years and it's been five years of hard work and five years of suffering really because you, you know you never get success it takes its toll on you and you know you think one year you've got it you start off the season really well and then it hits a peak and then you just go down from there and then you know we've had we've been close sometimes to making playoffs but like never had that we we just had missing holes, I think, in the team, and you know, I didn't know where that came from. Whether it was, sorry, whether players, staff, you know, where it came from. And for me, this year was really important to stay and help James build because I think I say this a lot. I think James came in um, on the tail end of the year before, and I think he was probably like, "What is going on? Like, what is this? Like, all these crazy women, twenty four seven, you know?" And I think he's come in now and really like made this his own and he's put his, his own stamp on it. And for me, he's such a good coach and an even better person. And he, I say this all the time, but he genuinely cares about every single one of us. And I think that's rare sometimes because I think you lose sight of that when you're in a football environment, but yeah, he really cares. And, you know, I think doing it for him as well was special, even though he's only, you know, been the manager for two years, but he's been in the club for years and years and, you know, even with the men's side. And I think he understands how much it means to us as well. So that was nice to do it for him, but um, the post game things, I don't know. That's just like straight passion. Like it, I don't, they don't, they're not planned. They're not, it's the first thing that comes to my head after the game. And that's why I think it makes it more important and more special because it's actually real. Um, my pregame ones might be a bit more planned, but uh, no, the post game, it's just real. I think I always, I'll stand by that. Like the circle didn't break and it sounds cliche and cheesy, but it really didn't. And, you know, and I think that's kind of how we got to where we are today. And we've all got, gold medals around our necks. And I think it's because of that reason. All right. So one of the last questions I want to ask you is the tournament format, I think was a giant success, right? Obviously the bubble was a giant success for NWSL, but would you want, like, let's say, you know, fingers crossed, we're back to slightly more normal times for the 2021 season. Would you want to bring in this sort of tournament format in addition to a regular season? Just did it did you enjoy it in terms of some bringing something different? Did it teach you new things about the dash compared to a regular season? Uh, Shay, we'll, we'll start with you. Yeah. I mean, I think it's definitely different. Obviously um, the Olympic style tournament is something that a lot of us would have never experienced. Um, so it was really cool to be able to do that. Um, on the other hand, seven games in one month was hard. Um, but obviously given that we don't have any more uh, games or we don't know if we have any more games. Um, it was an incredible experience. And I think something that we're all going to cherish forever. I think Christy said it like no one will ever be challenge cup champs except for the Houston dash. So we will <laughs> gladly 
gladly own that title for the rest of time. Um, but I, I do think that it was cool and it brought a lot of viewership and a lot of fanship. So um, I think it's something that the NWSL can incorporate, similar to what the MLS does with Open Cup and, um, you know, trying to slide that format in, especially if more teams come in. Um, mm-hmm. And I think it can only be a good thing for the league moving forward. Yeah, Chrissy, I mean, that point about no other team is going to be Challenge Cup champs. I, I also think one of the real threads that players have said about this is no one else is also going to understand what this month was like, right? Like players might come into this league, but they're never going to have that experience. And is that something that you agree with that this is always going to be this shared, you know, <laughs> experience for the Houston Dash, particularly winning this championship? Yeah, um, I think it's just I think one thing that was so important through the through the whole month that James kept harping on was emotional control. And I think that it just showed that our team obviously was the most prepared mentally for it. Um, So I think that that was something that really stuck with us through the whole journey. And um, I just think it just really showed who we are as people and you know, like people would, or they would always be like chatter and stuff like, Oh, like I want to go home. Like, this is so hard, blah, blah, blah. And like, I think that we all felt like that at certain points, but it just goes to show that our team was the strongest team at the tournament. And that's why we won. All right. So Rachel, I think last one for the group, but what, how do you bring that energy of challenge cup and then apply it to the future of the dash? But yeah, I said it in my post-game interview the day. You know, we've actually got a label now and we've won something and that's something that we have to take into next season and it's not just the same old dash that people keep saying. You know, we've hopefully we can attract new players. Hopefully we can get a US player. You know, I think these are the things that now we're not just... We've actually put a label on ourselves and, you know, it, you can't be a team that wins something one year and then just takes a foot off the gas the next year. So I think it's really important that we take that moving forward and know that we can win something and we have the ability to do something. And we did it under so much pressure and, you know, against all odds. Um, and if we can do it in that bubble environment and that how much toll that took on everyone, like I think we got to take that and use that to our strength for the whole season next year. Perfect. All right. Any closing comments before we wrap it up? Dash on baby. <laughs> <laughs> I do think the the dash TF on is still probably one of the best hashtags of the NWSL. To be fair, me and Amber Brooks actually created that. Yeah. We'll never die. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you to the three of you for your time. Uh, hopefully everyone is hydrating and getting some naps in and uh, enjoys the socially distanced celebration on Thursday. So thank you for joining us. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Meg. So thanks to Rachel, Christy, and Shay for joining the pod, and hopefully the party just keeps going a little bit longer before everybody gets back to training. So next, I want to go a little bit bigger picture on the Challenge Cup, and Brooke Elby is the perfect person to have this conversation with. All right, so Brooke, the thing that I wanted to start with you is, is actually you were on site for like a pretty decent chunk of that tournament, and I just would like to know what the experience of being in the the stadium is like for Challenge Cup when it's like, I mean, Arnhem Whistler was kind of off his own entire section for games. So what is it like to be in that stadium when it's just really the players, like you and Lisa, a couple of Deloys maybe floating around? Like, what is the experience like? It was really weird. 
Um, especially after kind of, I mean, first it was weird for me because I'm used to being on the field. And so I think mm-hmm. even being in the stands was like that first, like, okay, all right, we, we've entered retired life. Um, <laughs> and then just like, it, there's almost an echo, like it's literally an echo chamber out there. And it's kind of this like amazing feeling that sports are turning, but you can literally hear everything that's happening on the field. Cause there's nothing else going on. Um, but you know, over time, like we started having players come to other games. And so it was kind of mm-hmm. cool to see them and they, they were getting that like fresh air and, and getting to watch, um, you know, all their friends and, and former teammates or, you know, just opponents play. Um, so that kind of created a cool environment. We were all like still very spaced out. I was also told I got, um, you know, my TV appearance without my mask on, hiding my nails. So, you know, we're always <laughs> excited for those moments. Um, yeah. But overall, it was it was really cool to kind of get that perspective. But also, like, just it it's going to be weird for a while. Like, we're just no one's there. And, you know, in the stadium, we're not hearing the added in fan noise. Mm-hmm. So, like, right. it was kind of... Okay, I, I want to ask you about that, though, <laughs> because... I I have spoken to a a couple folks within the NWSL and I had asked like, okay, what was the the kind of reasoning behind adding in the fake crowd noise? I was like, I have been very close to the sidelines. I mean, at the Boston Breakers games, you were legitimately just like on top of the field, right? Like I've been standing above head coaches and the benches. I know the type of language that is used perhaps during games. Uh, does this theory play out that maybe field mics might not have been the best choice just for um, some words that might have been used uh, during live play? <laughs> Absolutely. Um, okay. I would not say that was the main reason, but it's definitely <laughs> one that you have to be aware of. Um, because you get some great, like, I mean, even hearing, you know, Megan Klingenberg's or Rachel Daly's like, um, huddle speeches, like that's something that's mm-hmm. awesome for mics to pick up. But then, you know, there's the, like, um, you know, you, you take a hit to the back or you like shank a shot. That's <laughs> what we don't want to hear. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> that's where the, the broad in fan noise really saves a lot of people. Right. Right. Okay. So I just, I'm glad that that yeah. theory kind of paid off there. <laughs> I do want to talk to you also. I feel like, you know, we've seen the TV ratings now for the final. We saw the TV ratings for the opener. There have been a lot of successes of the Challenge Cup, right? I I asked this question on Twitter to my followers, but I'm curious as to what your number one win of the Challenge Cup is. Uh, Your your coworker, Yael, also uh, replied and had a very thoughtful answer about why the bubble worked for the NWSL. But I'm just kind of curious what your big success of this tournament was? I mean, I think it goes without saying player safety was um, the big success. Like not having any positive COVID tests while in the bubble is something I think a lot of people doubted um, because just in the world we live in right now, that just doesn't seem mathematically feasible. Um, Mm -hmm. So getting through it, I think there was a deep like sigh of relief um, you know, once we finished with the the finals, because we just wanted to keep all of our players safe. And part of that, yes, is absolutely no positive COVID test, but it also means the mental and physical safety of our players. And you're always going to have injuries, which is just something you never want to see. 
but preparing for that and preparing for the mental wellness of the players was like also a huge initiative the PA took on and even the league. So I think just making sure our players were safe and healthy um, beyond just this bubble and then exiting. And once they, they kind of have this time to debrief now, um, but it, it's been probably the biggest win of all. Um, obviously there's other wins on top of it, like the ratings and everything like that. But I would say player safety and just making sure their, their well being is intact at the end. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I definitely, I definitely wanted to talk to you about the mental health thing because I also think players opened up about that in a way that probably no one expected going into this tournament. I think everybody knew like, okay, you're going into a bubble for a month, right? You're going to be isolated. You're going to, you're going to have challenges that maybe people aren't expecting. But I mean, Bethany Balser was very open about what she went through. I think, you know, Julie Ertz even said, um, after the final, okay, like we had resources that I've never taken advantage of, but I found very helpful. And I'm just wondering what that process was like from a, a PA point of view in terms of making resources available, knowing that that players would take advantage of them, you know, was there any effort to ensure that players actually use them? Yeah. I mean, we, our biggest priority was making sure they were provided. Now if players mm-hmm. use them or not. That was obviously up to the discretion of the players as mental wellness should always be taken at a confidentiality sort of angle. Mm-hmm. Um, but realistically, a lot of people look at this and look at a bubble and just think, oh, as long as, you know, they're being kept away from other people and kept safe, they'll be fine. And the reality is there's so many other elements that have to be focused on. And one of those was mental wellness. And I think that was just the first instinct as a players association, um, kind of once we set the protocols and all the plans, that was the next biggest piece. And we actually had just a few outside um, kind of personnel and and uh, psychologists reach out because they understood that concern as well. And so I think just, we sent out repeated emails to players providing with this accessibility, especially with what was going on in the world outside of COVID. I think there was just Mm -hmm. a lot of need for it. Um, and I think before, like even when I was playing and years before this, it was just never talked about. So Mm -hmm. I think opening up the conversation that this is accessible and it's important people kind of latched onto that knowing that it was available without actually having to outsource it on their own. Right. Um, right. And we saw a, a good, I mean, I don't think we ever want to see like a large number take advantage of it, but I think it's also important that a large number took advantage of it because it means that this is, it's not a light task. And, and I, I'm interested to see how other bubbles are dealing with it too. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, it's not just about what you see on the field. There's so much more that goes involved that can affect what happens on the field as we saw with Bethany. Right, right. And I I do want to bring in this concept of everything happening outside of the bubble, right? Like as Portland is going into the playoffs, like there's this huge situation brewing in Portland right at the moment. Obviously teams are deciding how they approach Black Lives Matter. There's clear effort into doing league-wide efforts. And from the Players Association point of view, it did really seem like there was a lot of discussion both at a team level, at player level, at a PA level, also at a league level. So where, you know, a lot of things happened. There was a lot of charity efforts that that went into, into play during this tournament. How does all of what happened in Utah and that energy, right, and these conversations that are happening... Where is the PA on bringing that energy now that we're 
post-tournament, you know, the work that needs to be done both from a, a player team league level, but also I think just from like a human point of view, yeah. even. No, I think honestly, what happened in Utah and the initiatives that the players took on themselves, that was just a spark. It was the start of this conversation and it was important conversations that needed to be had. But the reality is this is just the start of something. And I think a lot of leagues are seeing that too. That, mm -hmm. I mean, it's, it's really disappointing that this is the first time these conversations are really being brought to light. But now that we're having them, it's, it's the what's next. So we've started having those conversations of what it looks like. And, you know, there's always the, okay, how can we be more impactful and what, what are we going to actually do? But I think for us as a PA, it's listening to our players on what they want to do. Um, mm -hmm. So what we've really tried to is just start by facilitating conversation. And in doing that, what can our next kind of steps be? And whether that's, I mean, the MLS is a great place to start emulating with their Black Player Coalition. Um, is right. that something we want to start? And then once we start that, what are our next steps and how we can actually create action items? So really, we just want, I mean, we're building this foundation, I think, that hasn't existed before. So we'll start with the facilitating of conversations and then see from the players what action points they want to take next. How closely are you watching what's happening in the WNBA right now? I feel like, you know, both from a PA point of view, but also their entire season is is dedicated to Brianna Taylor, right? Like the name on on the backs of jerseys, all of that kind of stuff. Um, you know, is that something that you can look at and say, here's what they're doing? Maybe this is what we can pull in from a from an NWSL point of view? Yes, absolutely. And we work really closely with their PA as well. And and just hearing kind of the conversations they're having with their players and um you know, we, we were even discussing with them what they were planning on doing kind of once our tournament even started. So it, it almost was like we came a bit too soon and I wish there was more we could have done, but that's really important to have that kind of, um, I guess, partnership where we can see mm -hmm. what they're doing now and then we can take that and, and, okay, what can we do for the future? You know, what, how is this going to lead into our next season? How is this going to lead into our off season? Um, and what are ways we can do that? But the WNBA and the WNBPA just have done some truly amazing things with their initiatives in their tournament, um, in their wobble. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, they did. They did have the edge on uh, name of the bubble. Yes, they really. For sure. I mean, ours was the village. It wasn't even a bubble. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, but what yeah. they've done. I mean, even just like um, you know their walkout during the national anthem and, and things like that. It's it's so powerful and important. Um, and I think it's just something that we can all build on. Great. I, I am wondering if this is, you know, you've, you've been on it from the player side and now you're on it from the, the PA side, but do you think this is the best relationship that there's ever been between the players and the league itself? Like the actual league front office in terms of, you know, communication, transparency, the work that's happening? Yeah, and I think that's a, a huge shout out to Lisa Baird coming in. Um, but I think it's also like this has been, I mean, a wild year for lack of a better adjective. Um, it's been insane. And I think part of that needed to come um, regardless of what was going on in the world. But I, I think what's going on expedited those that relationship and those conversations that needed to be had. Because not only are you looking for the safety of your players, but the security of the league. Um, and I mean, the players are the biggest asset 
of the league. So that they need to be included in these conversations and credit to the league. They have really um, been open, transparent and willing to, to have these talks with not just us as a PA, but with actual players. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, I mean, I, I, having been on the inside, I do feel like that is definitely a step (laughs) that has happened. Are you looking for something? Do you think that there's still growth for that relationship between the league and the players in terms of, you know, this is a league that looking at the WNBA, for instance, in comparison, they've gone through like the CBA negotiation, right? Now that the league has recognized the NWSLPA as the union for the players, but are you kind of looking at, okay, we've, we've made it through 2020 <laughs> and now what is the goal for 2021? What is the goal for 2022 with this relationship? Yeah. And I mean, looking at the WNBA CBA is incredible. Like to see where women's sports have come. Um, and that's something that we want to take a look like a deep delve into and be like, okay, how do we create the same relationship that they've built? And just because they have years on us as an organization standpoint, doesn't mean that this isn't something that we can foster for the future. So Mm -hmm. realistically, yes, we are looking to grow, um, our relationship with the league and to make sure that all these conversations and how we move forward for the player's sake and for the league's sustainability sake, that it's going to take a lot more collaboration than is currently existing. So yes, we are vastly going to grow on it and it's just going to, you know, come over time and, and develop. Right. Okay. I have two more for you, but I want to start with what is the best way for supporters and fans to support the players directly uh, via the PA via the players themselves. I mean, those like free coffee days and supporting <laughs> by covering players coffee was probably one of the best ways. Like that interaction was just, I mean, it's hard when everything's virtual and everything's from a distance. Like we're so mm-hmm. used to fan engagement being on the sideline or having our um, supporter groups right there or doing events. And that's not, going to happen for a while. Um, so I think the best way to do that is just like whenever there's initiatives to push, just kind of helping elevate everything player centrically and league centric, because especially as so much is going on, um, you know, with what players are kind of becoming more outspoken on individually, it's always great to see as many people as possible get behind those. Um, we'll try to do more events and things like virtually where we can interact as much. But I think the supporters groups have been amazing. Even seeing acts, um, you know, what they did with their kind of donating throughout the tournament was Mm -hmm. just inspiring to look at. And I think those kind of things as little as they might seem from the outside perspective are huge for the players and just for the support in general of this league. Yeah. Now, not everyone can see we're recording this via Zoom, so I can see your T-shirt. But do you think it's helpful for people to support the PA by, by you know, there is this League of Women shirt. There's the product line now via Breaking Tea. You know, in terms of financial support, is that the easiest way for people to go directly to the PA? Yeah, I think, I mean, we, I don't want to like act like I'm plugging here. We do have... <laughs> Like we have our masks, we have our shirts and we have a donation page on our website. Um, but all of that, that money and those donations and whatever we get from merchandising is going towards any initiative that we can help support the players. Um, cause realistically, like we are still fairly new and we're navigating, um, 
you know, different revenue streams from a PA perspective. And so just, we would love any support as possible. No. And, and if there's anything specific too that fans kind of want this to go towards, like if you want this to go towards mental health or something like that, that is something we also love and we love those kind of ideas. So anything anyone wants to push, they can always message us or, you know, just reach out whenever. I mean, if nothing else, we know it is a very engaged fan base that is ready to go to bat for the players. That is not that is not in doubt. No, All right, that is so, like the, the staple <laughs> always here. So we love it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. My last one for you is really, you know, first of all, I I truly hope that you get a nap at some point. But what comes next for you? You know, there we do have questions about what the rest of 2020 looks like. But what is your next you know, couple of weeks look like from a PA point of view from from the work that you need to do? Yeah, I think right now, we're still doing a lot of internal organizing and making sure structural structurally, we're sustainable too, because, mm-hmm. you know, a strong league and a strong PA working together just makes for an absolute like, success or a launcher to success. So we are focusing on our internal side. We are having calls with, you know, our board and our board of representatives. Um, but right now I, I honestly want the players to just like shut down for a, like a while. Um, I can't even imagine, like, I thought the bubble was like hard for me. Like I can't even imagine what it was like for them. So I realistically want them to just like shut soccer down for at least a solid week of just not even thinking about it. And then we'll start making headway on, you know, we run surveys and we, um, you know, do things within our organization that are really building up for what the rest of the year looks like and even into next year and next season. Um, But I think it's been exciting times in terms of the future with all the announcements of expansion. But for us, on my side, it's it's making sure that we're prepared for what's to come the rest of the year. And then from a player side, just relax and, and binge watch some TV. <laughs> Got it. Got it. Is there a show that you're watching right now? Do you get that time? No. <laughs> <laughs> I like to pretend I do. I've actually been watching a ton of just live sports because it's amazing to hmm. have them back. And I don't know how sometimes the MLS, I swear they're playing at like 12 o'clock at night. So I'm like, cool. This is great. Um, But no, I, I started like rewatching Dawson's Creek. I'm not going to lie. Like (laughs) (laughs) that is like my guilty pleasure right now. Um, Judge me if you will. But yeah, that's, that's my free time spent. (laughs) Good, good. As long as you get, you got to take time for yourself. That is always the lesson that I have to remind myself is that I am allowed to, to take a nap. So, yeah. All right. Well, thanks, Brooke. I super appreciate the time. Um, please tell people where they can follow, for, follow you, follow the PA. Yeah. I mean, you can follow us. You can visit our website anywhere, anytime at just nwslplayers.com. And then nwsl underscore players is all of our social pages. So we always love to hear from our fans and, and any supporters, um, even if it's just idea based. So reach out whenever. And Perfect. thank you so uh, much. Meg, um, this has been great. And I, I've just had such a great time with you and Michael. So uh, anytime you have any more random questions or, you know, if you want to start binge watching Dawson's Creek. Okay. Out, All right. Me. I have not watched that for a very long time. We just started, my wife and I just started watching Fringe really? again since that was like, we were like, this is a good, 
not necessarily a turn your brain off show, but just like it's nice, like a nice. We haven't watched it in a while. We might do Lost next. We're just like revisiting wow. all of the the sci fi that we haven't watched in a while. So you know, that's it's a very casual summer activity. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, those are like thinkers of shows. I don't even know if that I would consider that casual, but good for you. That's guys. how that's how we roll in this household. Just yeah. very, you know. <laughs> no, that's hilarious. Um, awesome. Okay, but thanks again for having me. I really appreciate it. And yeah, yeah. Let me yeah. know if there's anything else you you have questions about. Thanks to the players of the NWSL Challenge Cup winning Houston Dash and to Brooke Elby for joining us this week. We're going to keep the focus on the tournament for one more week, at least on the pod. One more thing, I want to salute everyone who did so much to fundraise for charity during the Challenge Cup and over the past few months. This is by no means a complete list, but Sarah Gordon and the Chicago Red Stars with their Pass It On Challenge. Sam Mewis just announced that most of the North Carolina Courage raised over $10,000 for the National Black Justice Coalition. Sophia Huerta with her efforts to raise money for the Loveland Foundation. I obviously have to mention Gal Pal Sports with their fundraiser via the Meg as the schedule out t-shirts for Black and Pink. I mean, play staff, supporters, everyone really stepped up, and I'm very hopeful that this energy continues in this community. So that's another episode in the books, and you know the drill by now. Subscribe, rate, review. If you need even more women's soccer content, don't forget that you can always take 40% off a new annual subscription to The Athletic by signing up at theathletic.com slash full-time. That website also shows that you are supporting women's soccer coverage when you sign up there. So The Athletic is the spot to find everything from me on the women's soccer front, and you can follow me on Twitter at It's Meg Linehan. Our podcast producer is Michael Zimmerman. I'm Meg Linehan. Thanks for listening. Thanks.